Well, g'day, folks. Welcome to the Awaken Network podcast. I'm John Tyson, lead pastor of Church of the City in New York, and I'm joined by Chad Bohai, who is the lead pastor of Radiant Central Coast, and Sam Gibson, who leads Pray NYC in New York City. Thanks for joining us. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about prayer, revival, awakening, and what it looks like to seek God for another move of the Holy Spirit in our time. It's great to have you with us. Welcome to the Awaken Network podcast. We exist to revive and equip leaders who build praying churches and cultures that contend for spiritual awakening in our time. My name is Chad Bohai. I'm a pastor of a local church here on the central coast of California. I'm joined by my good friends, Pastor John Tyson. Howdy, y'all. And Pastor Sam Gibson. Good day, mate. Wait, that was backwards. What's up with that? That is... It is, it, it is what it California, is. California, mate. California. Okay. Um, and we, we're excited to just invite you on this journey with us of uh, why we are so committed to building out a network that has the sole goal to equip and empower leaders to cry out for another spiritual awakening in our time. Yeah, come on. And so, what, like, who, who are you, John, Sam? Why are we at this table? Just give us a little bit of, of background about why you're at this table and why being a part of a network that's contending for awakening is so central to your story. Why does it matter? I heard someone say once, the way you come into the kingdom is partly the determining factor of how you live in the kingdom. Mm. I came into a youth group that was experiencing what I can only describe as biblical revival. Uh, it, was, it was in Adelaide, Australia, in the basement of a large Pentecostal church. And I... When I started going there, I was struck by their passion mm. for God. At, up until that point, I was sort of the most passionate person I knew. Mm. I was about, you know, sucking the marrow out of life, living to the full, just a wholehearted man, all that sort of stuff. And I never thought in my life that going to church would be a place where I would meet people mm. with more passion than me wow. for mm. God. These are kids who were getting up at 4 a.m. to pray for a move of God in their high school. So it was a really remarkable environment. I ended up uh, becoming a Christian in that church through a radical encounter with God at a youth group. It wasn't one of those things where I heard the gospel and believed it. It was one of those things where I heard about the kingdom and I met the king. Wow. Mm -hmm. It was 1 Corinthians 14. The secrets of your heart will be revealed. You'll fall on your face in worship and say, surely God is among you. Paul in that verse is quoting a famous passage from the book of Zechariah, which talks about 10 Gentiles who grab the hem of one Jewish person and say, surely God is among you. His wow. vision of the prophetic working properly was a vision mm. of God in your midst. And then I, so I came into the kingdom in the midst of this radical Pentecostal culture, hunger for God, seeking God. And then I had a youth pastor who discipled me in prayer and revival. Mm -hmm. He would do Friday night meetings where all the, the youth leaders would come over and he would take all of these VHS tapes a long time ago. What is that? What's a VHS? <laughs> uh, I actually don't know what it stands for. Uh, <laughs> something about, anyway. Uh, and he would do these mashup videos of all these revivals in history. So he'd have like Argentinian revival, house churches in China. So good. Stuff God was doing uh, in the charismatic movement in the UK. He put all this stuff together and then we'd watch it. And then he'd say, God wants to use you to see things like oh, this happen. So and then we just would spend the evenings praying. That was a guy named Paul Geeling. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. I had youth pastors who would take me up 
into the hills overlooking our city, the city of Adelaide, and say, God wants to get the promise of rewards for stewarding your gifts is the gift of cities. It says that if you're faithful with what you've yes. been given, oh. he'll put you over cities. So this just, I, I just came into this. I, I was given books, you know, Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. That's one of the first books I read as a new Christian. So I came into a culture of revival. That started me personally seeking God for revival. So because, so sometimes people hear my story and they say, man, you're getting up at four o'clock as a teenager to seek God. It's like, I didn't come up with that idea. Mm, that was the culture of my youth group. That's so good. So our leaders were radically committed to God. So I would uh, ride my motorbike four o'clock in the morning to a place called Rundle Mall. There's a place called the Mall's Balls, this big, uh, these two balls on top of each other in the middle of Rundle Mall. And I would get on my knees, take communion with a communion kit that I bought from a, a Christian uh, bookshop and get on my knees and take communion because I read Smith Wigglesworth took communion every day. Mm. And I would ask God, please bring revival to the city of Adelaide. And then I found this place called Colonel Light's Vision, which is an overlook of downtown uh, uh, Adelaide. And I would get up there and I would just walk back and forth and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray, send a move of God here. So that was, a, that was just, that's what I thought Christianity mm. was. This Normal. was the culture that's I was right. a part Christianity. of. Toronto blessing happened. This was a church experiencing a, a legitimate move of God. And uh, that's sort of how I came to get a vision. It was an impartation, not something I came up with. Yeah. And I will forever be grateful for that context. Wow. So good. That's amazing. Sam, how about yourself? Yeah, what's interesting about like John's stories, I feel like mine's almost the opposite. Hmm. So I grew up in like a hyper charismatic environment. And I really believe like that deposited a lot into my life at that time. Hmm. Went to the Brownsville Revival six times as a kid. Wow. Like I remember crazy. getting a Happy Meal, waiting in line for hours on end just to get in the room. I remember being terrified watching Dr. Michael Brown walk through the room and just watching adults fly everywhere. I mean, it's like, it's like literally wherever he went in the room, a sea of people are falling out. And I'm just like, I don't know where my parents are. I think they're on the ground somewhere. Or they, like, as a six-year-old, you're is actually terrifying. And what happened though is just, you know, that charismatic movement, it just, the more I grew up, the more I saw that it was getting wacky and weird and like hypocritical. Mm. Like you got wacky and weird. And I don't say this to sound dishonoring at all, but it's like all this wacky, weird, crazy stuff. But then just like very normal people off stage. Like there, there wasn't uh, an integrated life on yeah. display there. Mm. So my teenage years, I kind of like started walking away from the church, walking away from just like whatever that is. I don't want to be a part of that. Mm. And then later on, I you know go through a season of just like pursuing everything the world has to offer. Very similar to John, like, man, I'm going to squeeze the most out of life. Yeah, whatever there is to experience, I'm going to experience that. But yet, it leads to a place of emptiness. Mm. And so, like, you know, train a child the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. And so, it's just that kind of haunting feeling, of like, man, your life is kind of falling apart. And so, wander back into a church, and this time it's more of like the reformed movement. Mm. And it's like, you know what, I'm love jesus i'm down with the word of god so i'm gonna be about jesus i'm about the word of god keep me away from all the weird stuff mm. the problem with that is when you're about jesus and you're about the word of god there's a lot of stuff that just kind of haunts you this weird mm. like it's just like you can't long-term read the bible and just not begin to say there's more mm. and so i get involved in full-time pastoral ministry i've been involved in ministry for 14 years now and basically my journey was getting to the absolute end of my capacity personally. Mm. 
like I'm following Jesus the best way I know how. I'm having devotion, like devotional times. Like I am like doing everything I know to do to follow Jesus, and yet like so dry and barren on the inside. And I vividly remember one day reading Jeremiah 17, where he begins to speak about. He's like, "Blessed, curses the man who trusts in man who makes yeah. flesh his strength. Mm-hmm. He will be like a shrub in the desert, in an uninhabited salt land. He shall not see any good come." Mm-hmm. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He'll be like a tree planted by streams of living water that does not cease to bear fruit in season, does not grow anxious in the year of drought. Mm. And I remember reading this and just having this confrontational moment going, my soul feels like a barren desert. Mm. I'm doing all the Christian activity. I'm like walking in integrity. Like there's no like grievous sin in my life at this point. It's like I am doing the stuff and yet I just feel dry and weary. And I read that, and then I just felt the Lord saying, there's more. Mm. And so just start this journey of like, man, if I, what does it mean? Bless is a man who trusts the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. And so that really started my journey. I'm in this time, full-time ministry for five years with a terrible prayer life. Love the Word of God, absolutely anemic in prayer. And it's God beginning to form a prayer life inside of me that just like has consistently pushed me to cry out, there's so much more. Mm. There's so much more. That's so great. What about you, mate? Yeah, I was, uh, I was raised in a beautiful Christian family, and I grew up in a church culture where we would have, quote, scheduled week-long revival campaigns mm. twice a year. Mm. And that was a kid's favorite Got time of year when you're on <laughs> yes. the schedule, seven-day marathon church attendance. And so I grew up with at least with a, a deep commitment and value that the people of God regularly need to spend time at the altar seeking the mm. face of God afresh. Mm. Mm. I remember growing up as a young, even preteen, sensing the call of God, having prayer burdens as a sixth grader uh, to end a summer wow. camp. And the, the burden of prayer coming in my, my children's pastors saying, telling my parents, man, Chad, Chaddy's got a call. Or, or you know, mm-hmm. remember as a, as a junior hire, telling my, my junior high pastor, he told me I had two and a half minutes to share my testimony. Wow. And this is the first time of my life I knew the burden of the Lord that he promised me something internally that he was gonna do. Wow. Mm. So I go back to my youth pastor with fear and trembling and a weightiness in my chest. I said, Pastor Chris, I, I need more than two minutes. He's like, I'm a junior high kid. <laughs> like he's gonna trust me. And to God's glory. He gave me, he he sort of cleared the slate. I got to share the gospel and some 60 kids grew up in a larger church, came wow. forward and responded to Christ. So that was, wow. so I knew the call of God. I remember having a burden for a, a little, a, a little, uh, uh, basketball teammate that we mm. were really good. I think 13th in the nation. We were, uh, in, in basketball. I had a burden for his soul. Wow. I remember praying by my little my little twin bed, like Lord, win Trey to you, like so. And he mm-hmm. was the best player on the team, and so again, I, I, but I had a squirrely season, even though we had scheduled summer camps, revivals, uh, multiple times a year. It wasn't though until I was sixteen, uh, where my church was doing every night prayer meetings, mm-hmm. mostly of beautiful older saints, older mm-hmm. ladies mm-hmm. in particular, who just knew how to pull on heaven. Mm-hmm. Wow. And mm. I had just gotten in trouble because my dad knew I had a call. I knew I had a call, but I was, I was, I was, uh, living like the world. And, and I got grounded for doing some things that are not worth repeating. And he said, you can't go into, go to anywhere, but to school and to church. And I'm like, that's a 16 year old's two favorite places. <laughs> and so I find myself on a Thursday night prayer meeting. And, um, I don't even go, I go to the second row of this big 4,000 seater auditorium. There's like eight people. 
And I sat and I felt my dad's presence coming behind me. And he said, son, do you want to pray? And, and contrary to every other big decisive moment, there was no emotion. Mm. I love emotion. I love that oh, God yeah. touches us on the inside. I love yeah. that. I love the weeping, the tears. And I, I remember as a 16 year old kneeling at the, the, at the, just at the pew, God, I don't want to do good. I want to be good. Mm. I don't want to do holy. I want to be holy. No emotion. It was the, the grace of God that was empowering my will to come mm. into agreement with what was my mm. inheritance in the gospel. Mm. Two weeks, no emotion. But I started getting up early, not 4 a.m. I wasn't that godly or committed to revival. Uh, but around 6 a.m., I would spend an hour before the Lord. And for two weeks, I'm memorizing the Bible. I'm reading. I'm praying. And two weeks into that journey, I've just felt like God opened up the heavens in my little room. I'm at my bedside mm. just meeting with Jesus. And I'm weeping uncontrollably. I don't have a grid for it. So I asked my dad, what? what's going on? He goes, just go ask Jesus. He'll tell you. And I go back and the Lord's like, you're mine, buddy. And there's no going back. Oof. Like like to being possessed by the Lord. I, I'm his, mm. like, like the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, I've been bought with a price. I'm no longer my own. Yeah. And so since 16, I'm almost 40. There's just been that, that bent of my heart to want mm. all that God has. Yes. Mm. And then by 18, uh, just to close my little story here, I got a hold of Ian Bounds's oh, yeah. complete works, the general of prayer and i remember that commitment if i ever get to lead in ministry or pastor it has to be a prayer saturated yeah. mm -hmm. ministry i can't do it i was just ruined i remember in those days i used to use a yellow highlighter and the whole book the thick book <laughs> was just oh my gosh can you really believe for that in prayer can mm -hmm. you really contend for that is that really do we have permission to pursue this kind of christianity and so that's sort of my story well, you, you, th there's something interesting here I think is very important to note to people. Uh, a lot of people have encounters like this when they're young. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have encounters like this coming into the kingdom. And I remember having this very distinct revelation as a teenager. They would always talk about the camp high mm -hmm. yes, or emotionalism. And I remember thinking to myself, what am I doing at camp that I'm not doing in my regular life? That's great. And if I want the culture of camp mm. in my life i've got to build the culture of what i do here into my wow. everyday life so good and in some sense this, this is the absolute truth i'm 46 years old i've been a pastor in the middle of new york city for 18 years mm. all i am is a kid in my spirit who kept the culture of pentecostal youth camp Come on. alive yes and so to meet me if you if you come to new new york you come to our church we have a, a, a large church in New York mm. City. We're doing a, a serious work. We're not playing games. Mm. But if you were to cut my spirit open and ask, what's the difference between this and other churches? Part of it would be I just kept what I got alive in That's my so spirit yes. all of these years. T to use Paul's language, I guarded the deposit yes. that I was given with the help of the Holy Spirit. And again, it's keeping that culture of revival alive in your spirit, which is one of the things I think that, has connected us with one yes. another and drawn us to each other. There's been that shared commitment. Yes. I tasted something. I yes. want more. Yes. I'm going to keep this cultural life in my heart. When I was, for my 18th birthday, I asked for a pulpit. Can you get me a pulpit? And uh, some, my dad had a friend who was a carpenter who wow. built me a oh. pulpit. And I would, 
spend time in my room praying similar to you, the power of God would come down. I would spend time on my face in front of the pulpit, repenting and identifying with the sin of my generation, like Nehemiah, me and my fathers of sin. Yes. And then I would stand behind the pulpit and preach the message of the gospel to my generation by faith. And in some sense, people say, what have you done in New York all these years? I'm like, I'm an 18-year-old in my spirit, repenting on behalf and then calling a generation to the things of God. So a part of what we're trying to do here, I would just say, if you've got roots in that culture, a history in that culture, go get that culture back in your heart. Yes. So one of the things like, why are why are we at this table? Like, I think it'd be helpful for those joining us or listening just briefly. Like, why are John, Chad, and Sam mm. chilling, like doing this thing called Awaken Network? So, uh, wh- why? What's the story, Sam? You know, to John's point, like keeping the culture of summer camp alive in his heart. You know, I think the quotes from my Dane Ortland about like the biggest battle in prayer is not like the spiritual warfare is the battle against discouragement and disbelief. Mm. And there really is something about, you know, Chad, I know you like, we call each other at least once a week, just being around John where it's like being around people who remind you of the story you're in, Mm. who are paying a similar price, who carry like the same kind of banner. Mm. You know, it's like we live in a, you know, lukewarm church atmosphere right Mm. now. And when you're burning, it's almost like, Someone's trying to put your fire out. It's just Mm. like, oh, it's too much. You're going to burn out. And it's like, I don't even think I'm actually on fire yet. Mm. Like, I think there's so much more. Like, I think I'm barely scratching the surface of what's possible. And so for you guys, you know, really serving my life is just that reminder. Like, I look at John and he and I run in together in New York City. And it's just like, kind of like, we can make eye contact and just know, keep paying the price. Mm. It's worth it. You know, Chad, it's a quick phone call from you. Just a quick word of encouragement that I'll give you or you give me that's just like, being reminded like hey fan into flame the gift of god that's been put inside of you yes like steward the fire like fan it into flame in your own life and i feel like we've been that for each other for several years now this is kind of the natural outer working of that and we do that with lots of other leaders lots of other spaces of just like this cry for more is just all over the western church right Mm. now but it's often in an isolated pocket somewhere and Mm. just you know to be a voice to just say like hey there is more we are about more. We're here to remind you there's more. We're here to make you aware that there's more. And at the same time, to encourage you to keep going and keep pressing in because it's worth it. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, my, my story, like why, so you guys obviously work at Church of the City in New York. I'm a pastor in California. And uh, about four or five years ago, I was just in like a, a desperate place as a lead pastor. There wasn't a, a like a moral failing or whatever, but just I was gassed. Mm-hmm. I was exhausted. Uh, weary. So weary. That's, yeah. that's the better word. And so I knew about Pray NYC at, at, at Church of the City, and I didn't know a soul. I booked a flight. My wife signed off on it. <laughs> and I just, I, I reached out to the admin of the church, and I, I'm like, can I come to this meeting, this meeting, this? There's like a community group meeting. There was a, a, a couple other meetings. And then obviously the prayer, prayer room at that time, I think, was doing four, four one-hour sets a day. And I just sat there. And so here I am not knowing a soul except for podcasts and just seeing from afar from the other end of the of the country and i I show up in the prayer room after traveling like 10 hours from from this from the west coast to the east coast i obviously had to stop and get some ramen the proper thing to do when in the city yes and i walk i walk into the prayer room for their their tuesday night healing and breakthrough uh, emphasis and i walk in and the worship team is singing a song i had written and 
I, I immediately, the, my heart was open. Chad, you're not a fool. You have permission mm. to go on mm. spiritual pilgrimage with yes. me. Mm. I reward those who diligently seek me. Yeah. So I, I, I so he, he located me on the story. So I sat hour after hour all week in the the pray NYC, uh, NYC prayer room. And the, it just beautiful to see demonstrated how to steward an environment of worship with the word and prayer. And that's John, you were, you and I got to connect and you came over and gave me the big, the, the point of the finger. You're like you, we had great Thai food, great ice so cream, <laughs> storytelling. <laughs> oh, it was a blessing. And that just began a friendship over the years of just, again, pilgrimages back and forth to New York city. And I love, I love the story. Like tell the story, like as we land the plane on this first episode of how sort of the idea of awakened network sort of, uh, came to the surface and became a thing. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm with both of you. I often feel, uh, so number one, I have a lot of people tell me all the time, you need to calm down, you're going to burn mm -hmm. out, this is unrealistic. And I always want to heed warnings yes. from people. I'm mm -hmm. not foolhardy, man. I want to mm -hmm. play the long game. I yep. want to be wise. I want to run at a sacred pace. But I always, you know, I heard uh, one author say, never take advice from people whose lives you don't want to live. That's wow. so powerful. And I would look at the people telling me to calm down and I was like, I don't want that level of passion, you know, and mm. I want to live with sustained urgency. And um, so I, I, I've sort of had this thing that God's deposited in my mm. spirit, this sense of divine call. And, and I've often felt like maybe I am out of balance. Maybe I am out of my mind, mm. you know. And then you get around other people and you're like, I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. Wow, I'm not. I'm not crazy to think like this. And then you get in those rooms, and you you just feel that affirmation of spirit, that resonance of spirit. You just get that encouragement. Keep going. The one I've been saying lately is like, you're not crazy. You're just early. Yeah. Have you ever yes. been to Ooh, an event? Come on. Where you're there so early, you're like, is this on the wrong day? <laughs> is this? Did I? Yes. Did they change it? Yes. And then an hour later, the people setting up for the event are like, hey. That's so good. Yeah, no, sorry, we're running late. Um, yeah, but you're in the right place. You're just early. I feel like that about revival, awakening the move of God. Mm. And then we had a lot of folks, by the grace of God, God has, we've seen glimmers of what we have read about, glimmers mm. of what we long for, just little clues and hints from God, like it's coming. And we've had quite a few folks reach out to us and just say, I want to run with you guys. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I think we have mm. a theological depth. The way we say it is theology that can't be dismissed, power that can't Come be on, denied. Yes. We've got an, an understanding of secularism. You know, you can't just wave a wand. It's not going to be. We've we've got a, an, an awareness of the the missional context we're in, the yes. challenges we're up against that is somewhat culturally mm. nuanced, and we lead a church. You know, a lot of times, uh, sometimes I think one of the easiest things would, would to do, which I, I don't want to do and I'm not going to do, would be to just lead a church and run a prayer ministry. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's hard. Part yes. of the challenge we face in what we do is I'm I'm in meetings where we're dealing with, you know, uh, kids' ministry policies. We don't have enough small groups for people. We're yes. stressed out about budget dynamics. We've got HR challenges that we're facing. We're trying to figure out how we care and, you know, show people the love of Jesus. So 
It's one thing to have a prayer ministry. It's another thing to have a prayer room. But to have a church with all the complexities of making disciples in the midst of secularism and yet building a church in the midst of all of that with all the challenges and dynamics in a really hard place that is contending for an outpouring of the Holy Mm. Spirit to bend Western culture towards redemption, That's that. there's not a lot of folks, I think, Mm. who get that but i think there's a lot of people who are like i want, I want that. that yes we're trying to help people build a a culture of seeking god contending yes. corporate prayer in the midst of that rather than abandoning their churches to be people of prayer mm. and we think the solution is to build praying churches and so our vision is to when people reach out to us can i run with you i get that uh we bless love and honor yes the prayer movements god's god's built we love them yes but we feel like we've had a grace to build a praying church which is different than building a prayer room or a prayer movement yes and we think part of what god is wanting to do our little slice of the wall is helping churches become praying churches and helping leaders become people of prayer in the midst of all the challenges they face Mm. in an overwhelmed and secular culture so that's sort of what brought us together that's our little piece of the world we feel called to steward encourage recruit people to and build praying churches to contend for Mm. an awakening of the holy spirit western culture that's so good and so just if you if you remember anything as we've just shared our story and the why is you have permission to believe that there is more yes Yes. and that's this this whole first season is is we're going to unpack that that storyline that journey of of why you have permission, the precedent in biblical revival, and just how to prepare, how to steward, how to get in the flow of contending uh, for the more that God wants to pour out in our time. So thank you so much for those who joined us here on episode one. Uh, We're excited to go on this journey with you, and we'll see you for episode two. 